Welcome to another fabulous episode of Retro Vaniacs. Before we get started, I have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Uh, last episode was Air Zonk, and at the end of the episode we said, oh, we're going to do Kid Icarus for the Nintendo. Um, but we didn't realize at the time that this episode you're listening to now will happen in October. Uh, last year we liked to do some, some horror-themed episodes. We did uh, Mutant League Football and uh, the, the Splatterhouse series. So this year we're going to do the same thing, uh, two kind of horror or, or monster-themed episodes uh, so this week, instead of Kid Icarus, which will be back in November, we're going to do Monster Party for the Nintendo. But before we get into that game, Billy, what have you been playing since the last time? What have I been playing? Well, I, I was out of town last week for my anniversary. And then many of you would say, well, that means you didn't play anything. Well, you're wrong. I always I pack a system with me, just in case, when we inevitably run out of things to talk about and hate being in closed quarters together. I will escape to another room to play something. And I have been playing on that Bioshock collection that came yeah. out, which is it's one and two and, and infinite, which I guess is the entire collection. And, you know, and, and one and two have been upscaled quite a bit. Uh, I think they, they put a new coat of paint on it. They've added in some things uh, graphics wise here and there. Um, and they're both just amazing. And they, they've really done a, a, a great job. I think it's probably the best job I've seen uh, from one of these you know, one of these collections where they take a couple games from a, a series and try to put them back out uh, for the, the new generation of consoles. Uh, this one has certainly... Uh, they play like brand new games. Uh, if you have never played them before, I, I could not recommend it enough. And if you have played them before... Uh, you won't feel like it's just a just a retread and and you're just spinning your wheels playing them again. I definitely recommend it. And I also I uh, picked up a, a subscription to that that PS Now, uh, which is on the PS4. Is that uh, that thing that lets you play all the the PS3 games they have in their their catalog? I guess they're ever expanding catalog. And I picked it up for a few reasons. Uh, just a couple games here and there I had never played. I never got the chance to play. I picked up the PS3 pretty late in its life cycle. So I've been playing some stuff on there, and it was the RPG Eternal Sonata that, that, that wrote me in, because I have I've got to play <laughs> that thing all the way through. Eternal Sonata is one that I had on, on Xbox, because I don't have a PS3. Yes, yes. And, and I, I maybe made it two hours in. Now, I tried to get into the game several times, each time about two hours in. I don't know why it didn't grab me because everyone talked about that it was you know a fairly good RPG and I liked the setting I thought it was interesting but it just something about it I, I didn't care for and I don't know exactly what that was. I don't I, I I really enjoyed it I, I like the combat system on there yeah you know, it's 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 turn based but you know you have you can there's some maneuverability out there uh, on the field but yeah I've I had it on the 360 uh, 
played, I got maybe about four or five hours in, and, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but I guess just, you know, too much new stuff came around, and, and I, I put it down, and I never came back to it. So how much is a subscription to PS Now? It seems. You know, I, I put this off for a long time, because I just didn't think it was worth it. And, you know, and early on, I didn't think it had a lot of, of, of good games to it. It's about, I think it's, I think it's 20 a month. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm coming off my, my week trial now. I think I'm going to keep it at least, you know, at least a month or two to, to kind of play through the games I want to play through. And then from there, I'll just kind of see what they, what they add. I can't see it being a service that I, I permanently keep. Uh, but I mean, you know, paying you know, $20 a month to play through as many, you know, games as you can isn't, isn't that bad. So I'm going to hold on to it for a little bit, and I, I, I recommend it. And they've got Jeopardy on there. Hey. And, Wh- and Wheel of Fortune. Uh, sold. Well, that's worth 20 yeah. bucks a month by itself. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Well, since, uh, since last time, you know, we did, we did Air Zonk last episode, and it got me thinking I haven't played a good realistic shooter. Well, not realistic because it's a space shooter, but you know what I mean? Not a cartoony shooter in quite a long time. Uh, so, you know, conveniently, the PlayStation Store had a sale. Uh, for Darius Burst Chronicles uh, Saviors for the Vita. Now, I, I kept looking at this game. I like the Darius series. I had G Darius on PlayStation and thought it was great. And, uh, and I was like, oh, man, awesome, a new, a new Darius game. And then I saw it was $40. And I thought, okay, hold on. There's something I'm missing. Because it's, <laughs> it's basically a, an upgraded port of a PSP game that was a, a Darius. Uh, that was just Chronicles Saviors, I think. So I was like, why would this be... Why would this be $40? And I just couldn't bring myself to pay $40 for a shooter. And that makes me feel kind of bad because I love these games. But at the same time, uh, I have to feed a family. So not spending $40 on a shooter didn't make me feel too, too bad. But it was on sale for 16 which I'm sure some people would argue is still too much money for a shooter. Uh, but I disagree. So I picked that up, and I've been playing that pretty much nonstop. Uh, it's, it's a good Gradius-style you know, uh, 2D side-scrolling shooter. That's been fun. Um, but the other thing I played... Pretty much since the moment we finished the last episode uh, until I finished it is I, I played the Abe's Odd World New and Tasty remake on the Wii U uh, oh. that I had gotten a while ago. And I thought, yeah, I love Abe's Odyssey. I'll get back into it. Uh, it's I'd never finished the original. I bought the original the day it came out on PlayStation. I loved the game, but because much like on a role playing game where you don't want to finish the game until you've got all the best items and all the you know, all the, the best things. I, unless I got through a level where I knew I saved every single Mudokan or Mudokan, however you pronounce it, uh, I just I couldn't go on. So I never finished the original game. I got I got as far as to getting outside of the factory and, and started going through the wild area, but I knew I had missed some, so I kept starting over over and over again to find these harder to find and harder rooms where they, they were captured, you had to save them. So I never finished it. So finally the new and tasty came out. I picked it up because I want to support Oddworld. I love that series. I know it's kind of installed for a long time, but but apparently they're going to redo um, basically all the games in the series and then make some new ones. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, I played nothing but Abe's Oddworld and then Darius Burst Chronicle Saviors. And I have to say that Oddworld still holds up really, really well. And the remake, uh, getting rid of the room by room that the original had and turning it into more of a standard side-scroller uh, actually works really, really well. I think it's a much more playable game uh, while still being incredibly hard at times. Yeah, I beat that back when it came out on on PlayStation Four, and um, it, it's a great remake. I, I think it it's actually better than the original. Um, definitely in agreement with you. Now that it scrolls, it feels I, I don't know. 
which is it feels much more responsive than what it used to. It used to feel very much like, you know, flashback or out of this world. Uh, and it still kind of has that, but it's, it's definitely a lot more responsive with how you move around and get around and, and just faster overall. Um, but what did, did, did you remember the original much at all? Like, does the, do the changes that they made in the remake bother you at all? The changes don't bother me. They, I mean, there's more... Uh, I'm going to just keep calling them Mudokans. There, there's more Mudokans to save in the remake. There's like 290 or something like that, where the original only had 100. So in the original, if you saved 50 or more, you got the, the good ending. I think there was like an extra little bit if you saved all 100, which I clearly didn't do. Um, and then if you saved less than 50, you got the bad ending, which is still... Uh, it's basically the same ending. You just get an extra scene with a good ending. Um, but I really, uh, this one, because of the extra characters, I thought I had saved everybody because it was everyone I remembered from the original. And then when I got to a certain point, I realized, wait a minute, there's way more in this yeah. game, uh, which I didn't mind at all. And the, and I think I didn't notice any changes because I wasn't, I mean, I love the original, but I don't, I don't remember every single room. So maybe they added characters or took out, you know, not characters, but added monsters and took out monsters. But I think generally this version flowed way better than the original. It does. And, and they actually took out, uh, Large, not large chunks, but decent chunks of the the, the stages from before. Uh, you know, they, they're actually it's a smaller game than what it used to be, and I think that actually, uh, for once, makes it a better game. I, I think just making that game it, it kind of just smaller and, and easier to navigate. Uh, it, it really worked out for it. I, I really enjoyed playing that. I can't even go back and play the original now because that that version is so good. Now, on the original, the, there's the levels. Once you get out of the uh, of the factory and escape. Then you, you do the trials, and one of them has you riding this kind of horse kind of animal that, that has some long sections where literally all you do is jump timing. Yes. Was that longer in the original? Uh, I You know, it's been a long time since I got to that part, but it seemed like it was. I mean, everything about that game. I don't know if it was just because it went screen by screen or what. Everything about the original game seemed like it just it was way longer on the original to where this one, you know, I was just breezing through everything i beat it in like you know eight hours or something yeah i finished it pretty quick i mean for me i only get an hour or so every couple days to play something and actually focus on it so uh you know i did finish it probably about 10 hours total uh but i i can't say i wouldn't play it again i loved it it was great oh yeah it's great uh i think they've actually got the um uh, this uh, something else they they put out like a dlc or a standalone something else for it and i I can't quite remember what it's called or what it is but i've been meaning to check that out and play it well, Soulstorm is next for them. It's a remake of, of Abe's Exodus. Uh, but I don't know if it's a remake or a reimagining. It sounds like they're actually changing a lot to it. But uh, mm. until it's out, which isn't until the end of 2017, uh, I guess we won't know. And I know they did HD ports of both Stranger's Wrath, which I have beaten, and uh, Munch's Odyssey, which I have a copy of and I'm just starting to play now because I was so into this last one. Uh, but I hadn't finished it, so I don't know if the HD port's worth it or not. I have it on Xbox, uh, the original Xbox, so I'll play it on that. But Jeremy, what have you been playing since last episode? Um, well, I just kind of—I've really only been playing what Billy mentioned, was which was the uh, the Bioshock collection. And if you've already got the original games on Steam, then they just kind of give you those games in your library as well. Uh, you know, it's a whole different game; it just doesn't replace the original Bioshock. Um, but you know, I haven't played Bioshock and Bioshock Two since they came out, and. I'm not as like I don't remember these things as well or how the game looked, um, especially how it ran back then. Um, and I put this one in, and I was like, you know, this looks this looks just about how like I remember it. And I think this goes a long way in, in showing just how 
effective rose-tinted glasses can be because I literally remembered this game looking exactly like it does now back when I played it on the 360. <laughs> and my girlfriend and Billy were very quick to point out that this is a vastly improved game oh, over yeah. its original. And so I, I went back and actually uh, watched a few videos and uh, to see what it used to look like. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is... I, I remember this game looking how it is now, not not this. It, you know, it's very janky uh, from back when it was released, uh, especially the first game. Uh, ran terribly uh, in parts, and um, to see just how much they changed it was it was really it was, it was really cool to to kind of go through those first few areas and experience it all over again. But I, it, it just kind of amazed me that I was like, yeah, this is exactly how I remember this game looking, and I think a lot of um, gamers, you know, like when they when they don't play a game for so long, or they played it back when something was fresh and new, you know that they just remember it in in a very fond light. You know, they they don't see any of those those bad technical flaws because they didn't really they weren't looking for them back then. You know, they just remember it looking amazing, um, kind of like how I remember um, in Zelda sixty four the first time you got out in that field, um, and I, 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 a mansion of hidden souls. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If I, that's I mean, back one. then we we remember these things looking so amazing. And like I said, the, that first time in Zelda sixty four, when you step out in that field, mm -hmm. I was like, nothing will ever look this good ever. You know, after this, and you know, I remember it just being this wide open, amazing expanse. And and I, I recently played that um, uh, the remaster on the uh, the three DS not too long ago, and I was like, even on that, you know, even being improved like that, I was like, man, this looks kind of awful. You know, this is not what I remember it being. And uh, it, it kind of sucks sometimes to, to play those games again and, and see just, you know, how, how off your memories are uh, of those. And it, it kind of ruins it sometimes. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's always nice to know that, you know, hell, I remembered, I, I could remember playing that and being so astonished with, with something that simple. Um, but now I'm off on a tangent, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I think Bioshock, the, the collection, is, is great. I know there's some people that don't like the, um, uh, the changes that they did, some of the, the artwork and the, the various things that they, they added. Um, you know, they're kind of like, oh, you know, it just, it's not the original's look. You know, it kind of looks off. And, you know, I'm not that big of a I'm, – I'm not that hardcore about things. You know, it looks nice. It runs well. I'm happy with it. And, you know, if you like Bioshock, like Billy said, go ahead and grab it. It's, it's, real, it's a really great collection. I, I think that happens a lot with a lot of series. Mega Man's the one that, I, that really pointed out to me when you said that you remember looking like it did. When Mega Man 8 came out for the PlayStation, that was the biggest complaint when I worked in retail that everyone's like, this looks just like the old Mega Mans. I'm like, no, oh, it yeah. doesn't. It looks like you remember the old Mega mm -hmm. Mans, but go home. Play Mega Man two, and then look at eight. Eight is a much clearer and much more you know actual version of what you remember two looking like. But two didn't look like this. Uh, and I think Bioshock's kind of the same. I thought Bioshock looked beautiful, but I'm sure that if I played through the original now uh, and then looked at the HD remake, I would be like, "Well, this is this is terrible." Uh, it's a big difference, and and that actually happened recently with uh, when Fallout four released. You know, they they showed the first trailer or gameplay of, of Fallout four and. You know, there was just this chorus of internet forum posts of being like, it just looks like Fallout 3. Like, no, it doesn't. Trust me. I, <laughs> I just got done playing Fallout 3 not too long ago. This, this does not look like Fallout 3. This is a substantial upgrade over that game. But, I, you know, like I said, people just remember things how they want to remember them. And uh, it, can, it can definitely hurt your perception of, of things that, you know, unless you go back and play them again and, and see exactly what it looked like, you know, you, you can 
kind of j- cloud your judgment. Well, it's also a testament to those games and their art styles to say that oh, yeah. a, a re, you know a new version of that game you would remember looking exactly like it is is a good thing. But you know what? We've talked way too long about things that are not this episode's game. So let's dive directly into a game that has not had an HD remake. <laughs> Monster Party for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, neither of you had played Monster Party until this, you know, for this episode, correct? Correct. That is correct. This is another one that I had. I don't know how we ended up with this one because uh, everything about this game would lead me to not believe I should own it. First off, it's it was released uh, at kind of towards the end of the Nintendo 1989. Uh, So I guess right before Super Nintendo came out in 1991, I think so. Not the end of the system, but by the time that I wasn't just buying any old game. There were plenty of Nintendo games uh, that were probably better than Monster Party looked like it would be. Uh, Monster Party came out from Bandai, who up to then, the only games I had played from Bandai were Dragon Power, which was a terrible Dragon Ball game that wasn't even called Dragon Ball in this country. Uh, And then Jekyll and Hyde, which I don't remember at all, but the art was terrible on the box. Uh, The box for this is just a bunch of poorly drawn monsters i mean it's not a terrible box i suppose but it's not something looking at it now that i would have been like i need that i need that right now and especially knowing that it wasn't capcom or konami or you know a a company that put this out that i was already in love with i don't know how i ended up with monster party because everything on the box everything about the the publisher would have led me to not even try this but i had it and i remember it very fondly so i was very excited that you guys have never played this before it's got a following People love it because it's so different. And I oh, think you different. can agree it's okay. different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I know. Uh, I just knew how crazy it was. I mean, that's really about all. I've never actually played it. Um, I've seen a few little internet videos of it. But the reason why you know, I, I really pushed for it to be on the podcast was just how absolutely insane this game is. I mean, it is, it is just a fever dream of a game. And um, if you experience it for just that just you know just to see it i I think it's worth it but uh yeah i I don't um i I never played it never experienced the magic of monster party for myself no and that's uh, that's quite a bit of magic to experience i i I had no clue about this game growing up i've never seen this game no i didn't either and and up to when uh, i mean even after you mentioned oh hey how about we do monster party i still didn't know what it was Uh, to be honest i thought for some reason, we were doing Monster in My Pocket. I would uh, also do that, but that's not what this episode is. <laughs> that's why I thought, I said, wow, that's, a, that's an odd choice, but uh, I'm game for it anyway. But no, it's not until I looked up Monster Party, I was like, well, this is not what I thought. And, and yeah, this is something that uh, uh, I'm not going to say yet of my standing on it. <laughs> I will say it is a spectacle. It's different. It is different than anything else you'll play on the system. Um, although at first, doesn't necessarily think you know look like it's going to be a game that you're going to remember for being so different. So, you, you know, like any other Nintendo game, you turn it on, it starts up, it gives you this little story. Uh, you're a, a boy coming home from baseball. Your name is Mark, and you meet up with some sort of alien demon gargoyle thing named Bert, because all good monsters have a name like Bert. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I need you to help me. Uh, we're going to go to my planet." And, you know, you're going to help me save my planet. 
and he merges with you somehow. The, they show in the in the little video, just basically it looks like both of you kind of coming together and kind of blurring in the middle, and then the game starts. The first what level, a story. The, yeah, and it's, you know, what story do you need for an NES game? Honestly, the fact that there was a story in there other than just starting in the first level like most games, I'll give them credit for that. They tried to have some sort of little story built in. Um, first level starts, and it's just any other Nintendo game. You, you start on the left side of the screen, you walk to the right, scrolls to the right. Uh, you have one attack, which is uh, you swing your bat at monsters that come up, <laughs> and, uh, and you jump with the other button. I mean, it's very basic and straightforward. Um, Let me... I'm sorry. Let me... <laughs> Yeah, at any point, you know, this this swing, this primary attack, it's like a very bizarre, uh, this is not a well-trained uh, baseball player. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's swinging from the hip. At any point in time, did you ever pause it and just think it looks like this guy is just swinging his junk all over the place, <laughs> Honestly, fighting off these enemies? By the end of the game, I would have been fine with that. Wouldn't have had a problem with it at all. <laughs> but I think at the very first level, if I first turned it on and that was the attack, I probably would have been a little suspect of what this game was. But no, the only reason I knew it was a bat was because he said it. You know, it was it was in the introduction. You know, otherwise I would have no clue what what he's what he swinging there. It's a bat. It's not his junk. Although it could be, it would probably be the same level. Because you're right, he's not swinging the bat very well. He's not a professional. He's playing he's playing elementary school baseball. <laughs> so you got to give uh, you got to give Mark a break here. Uh, but but he does have a bat. He's actually good enough with it to uh, to hit things back. Uh, so there's certain enemies, and you're on the main screen. They'll shoot like a they look almost like little guys in suits and they'll shoot javelins at you. You can hit the javelins back at them. Hitting their own attacks back at them does a lot more damage than using your bat. So the, the first, you know, the, the basic parts of the level is just you, a standard jumping side scroller uh, with, with some things you have to fight. Uh, as, things, as you kill these enemies, you'll get either hearts that give you more life back. You have a fairly large life bar that's across the entire bottom of the screen, but you also take a lot of damage from almost everything. Uh, or the other thing they'll drop is pills, which is kind of suspect in a kid's game, but that's okay. You get these pills, you eat them, and you'll turn into Bert, the flying gargoyle that you met at the beginning. Bert just has, like real life. Just like real life. Uh, or at least you believe you are, and then you wake up naked in a NASCAR race. Uh, yeah, but instead, you, you fly around as Bert, and you'll instead of having a bat, you have a projectile that you shoot out of your mouth. Um, it, it's a much stronger attack than your regular bat. And it makes it much easier to hit things before they hit you, because a lot of the monsters in this game only do melee attacks. Uh, but conveniently, because it's a Nintendo game, they also do things like just go left and right in a very small path and don't actually do anything else. Can we start complaining about this game yet? No. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Let me I... finish explaining the mechanics of okay. the All right. Of the the only thing I was going to say about that, you know, the, the, when you're playing the two different people, Mark and Bert, um, you know, Mark, with just his bat, he has a very, very short range of attack when you swing that. And, you know, the, the whole thing of, of hitting projectiles back at enemies and, and bosses, you know, that's a very large part of the game because those, like you said, those um, those projectiles that you can hit, shoot back at them do a lot more damage than just swinging your bat at them. I mean, one projectile can kill one of them or you'll just be swinging at them for like five or six times until they eventually die with just your bat. And that's the that was the first thing that really just kind of I was like, oh man, I don't I don't like to do that, and it, it's kind of awkward with how you do it. But that's that's it's a huge part of the game, and uh, it's it's definitely worth mentioning. So at, you know, while you're going through the level, though, it's not just a standard side scroller because you're not just going you know left to right to get to the end of the stage and uh, you know fight a big boss or anything. Instead, there are doors in all the stages, and in the doors. Uh, they take you to a separate room that may or may not have a unique boss fight. 
You will see these characters only once, except for one exception that you'll see twice. But everyone else you see only that one time, only in that one door, only in that one level. And those bosses are generally the reason anyone would ever want to play Monster Party. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I, I was I was wading through this thing, you know, and it just... Uh, the enemies in the, the main stage, I mean, as you're going along, are, are uninspired. For, I mean, there's a guy in a suit and there are some legs. Uh, you know, later on you encounter some other things here and there. I went through that first door, the first of uh, probably hundreds of doors. I entered in this game, but there was the fucking Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. It was right there. And, and, and at this point, I became very hopeful that this game was just going to be a, a monster roll call of just, you know, monsters throughout various films uh, and they, just a lot of odd stuff they're going to throw at you. And as we go along, we'll find out they, they did that to an extent. And yes. yeah, going into those doors became became pretty exciting because you, you didn't know what small, you know, boss fight you were going to get into. Right. I think they the, did that to the extent that they just ran out of monsters and just started <laughs> putting in whatever the hell they could think of. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll fight some onion rings before it's <laughs> over with. I'm not certain they're onion rings and not calamari, but the point is you do fight food <laughs> items at one point. But yes, all the bosses in the game uh, are the reason that Monster Party has, I don't want to say the status that it has. I think it's a, a cult classic of video games. That's probably a safe statement yeah. uh, because these rooms with the bosses are, from the start to finish, the most amusing bosses you'll ever find, the most bizarre choices of bosses in some cases. Uh, and there actually is a, a good level of, of mechanic in each of these bosses that I haven't seen in other games uh, at the time. You know, I hadn't seen anything else like this in other games. Now it's probably not so out of place, but it is almost 30 years after this has been released. So the first room you go into, which Billy mentioned, is you fight a giant plant. Uh, the giant plant is the first time if you're not Bert and you have to be Mark and take it on. Is where you, the only way you can hurt this boss is to to shoot its projectiles back at them by hitting it with your bat. And I like that. Now, apparently, I'm the only one in this podcast that likes that, but I do like that as a mechanic. I like that I, I, when it's I, done. You know, every once in a while, but this this whole like almost every single boss in this game is is basically hitting projectiles back at them to damage them. And uh, as long as I, I was actually uh, Mark on that first boss, and uh, it certainly doesn't take just a few. Um, no, no <laughs> that's, that's my only complaint is that it's not, you know, no. in a Zelda game, this would have been three hits. Yeah. But, but it's not a Zelda game. It's Monster Party, so it's about 35 hits. Yes. Yeah, and, and the problem is the projectiles have to come at you at just the right angle. And, and I, you can't really coax the, the computer into throwing it at you. At that angle. I mean, you can get in a spot that worked before, uh, but yeah, it's not like every projectile that comes at you, you have the chance to hit back uh, and, and do damage. I, I mean, you're talking, you have to sit there through numerous projectiles before you, before you get a hit in. And yeah, like Jeremy said, I don't mind this when it's, when it's brief, uh, when it's every now and then. And, and to add to that, yeah, like everybody else said, I don't mind it when it is it doesn't take several minutes at a time on each boss that you're doing this on. Well, the, the good thing is that 
it's fairly easy to transform into Bert. If you're just in the level and you actually kill everything as you go to a door, there's a really good chance after that first door that you'll probably be able to be Bert instead. And I think he makes a lot of the boss fights much, much easier, even if you're just going to play it as as if you were going to tank the encounter and just take all the hits they get and just fire over and over again while you stand there like a dick. With with Bert, it's actually very doable. Uh, and that means even the, some of the fights that you may or may not like doing with the bat. There's definitely there's a, a mummy later on that's a an out, an awful boss to do with Bert. There are definitely bosses you'll want to do as Mark as opposed to Bert. Uh, the very last boss of the game is the best example of that. I, I could not imagine doing that uh, effectively with, uh, with Bert, and Mark does it much, much easier. But we're not even close to the end of the game. We're still on the first level. So you <laughs> get about halfway through the first level. And this is where, as a kid, I knew this game... You know, you get the first boss, it's a plant. I didn't realize it was supposed to be Audrey 2 until later when I realized what this game was supposed to be. I just thought it was a weird plant that spit bubbles at you. But you get about halfway through the first level, and there's this big tree. And as soon as you cross the big tree, the whole world kind of transforms into, like, evil world, hell world. The things that used to be trees are now, you know, sticks with faces on them, and the world's much darker. There's blood in the, instead of water. Uh, this, this, is, this is clearly where they got the inspiration for Silent Hill. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, I don't think it's the inspiration for Silent Hill, but again. If it's you clearly. Were, if you were a kid <laughs> in 1989, this was pretty amazing. I mean, this, it, this was this transition here got it audible. Uh, I don't know if it was a, a excitement or it wasn't a groan. It got, <laughs> an audible it got, it got, groan. It got, it got an audible positive noise out of me. I thought even playing through this time, I got to that point and I'd kind of forgotten that it happens. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's pretty great." You know, and and the the, the faces really are what does it to me. The, the faces on sticks really do look kind of scary, <laughs> almost melty. I, I like those; those are great. So There's yeah, some once, really like crazy dark image uh, like imagery in this game. Like it's it, for an NES game, it's it's pretty pretty crazy. Like some of the weird satanic shit they throw in here. Well, it's, it's a lot of demons. It's a lot of things yeah. from folklore, especially Japanese folklore, which we wouldn't have known in 1989. I still don't know now, uh, but doing any sort of reading on this game, there's a lot of, of these bosses specifically and also some of the monsters you see in the levels that are drawn specifically from Japanese folklore, things we would never know. In the first level, they look almost like kind of like dogs with a weird head on the top. They're supposed mm. to be these, these Japanese demons that are dogs with human faces. We wouldn't have known those demons. I don't remember their name now. But but at the time, I was just like, yeah, these look kind of like dinosaur dogs. I don't know what these are supposed to be. And you jump over them. No big deal. But there's a lot of that in the game. A lot of Japanese folklore and, and things that we may or may not get. There's also things that are very clearly uh, homages to things we do know. There are characters in, in some other those look kind of like Jason. But they can't be too much like Jason. So they have a hockey mask, but they also wear this kind of... U- umpire gear <laughs> but but it's clearly supposed to be jason uh th- there's a lot of these little things in the game which is why it's a monster party and i do enjoy that so i really uh i really enjoyed the the homage to uh fried shrimp yes like that well, was a oh, man. that uh, was a uh, quite the boss. <laughs> we'll get back to the fried shrimp because that's the honestly anyone that's played this game before 
will remember that boss. If nothing else in the game, you remember that you fought a giant fried shrimp. But we'll get there uh, in, in a few minutes. But the point of each level is to go into all these doors that you need to to find all the bosses in the game, uh, in, the, in the level. There's normally three. Uh, sometimes there's only two or one. There's one only in level six. But normally there's three bosses in each level. If you go into each door, you'll find them all. Once you've beaten all three bosses, you get a key. You take that key to the very end of the level. Otherwise, you can go, you can skip all these doors and get to the very end of the level, and you'll get to a door that you can't open. And then you have to backtrack. At least it lets you backtrack, but you're not going to. You're going to hit the reset button, and you're going to start over. So essentially, you never skip a door. And unfortunately, that means some of these doors are empty. Uh, I, I know, Jeremy, you ran into the, on the first level, after you fight the, <laughs> the plant, the next boss of the first level is a giant spider. But yes. the giant spider is unfortunately already dead when you show it's up. Already dead, and it just like, says, I believe he, he I am literally dead. says I am dead. And then it gives you your question mark, uh, which proves that you beat that 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 boss. All bosses drop a question mark once you finish them. The question mark is one of three things: it is either extra health, uh, just like a normal heart you'd pick up, or it's another uh, Bert power up where you turn into Bert or in, you know, lengthen your Bert transformation if you're already Bert or it's, it's points. There is a score at the bottom of the screen that I guarantee not one person has ever looked at, but it's there. So if you get through all the bosses, you will go in every door, find the bosses, get to the last door. That's how you get to, you'll get a key and you'll get to the next level. And, and there's eight levels total in the game. They're all thankfully, uh, I think different enough from each other. Uh, graphic wise that it's it's worth seeing every level there's not just oh here's eight great caves i mean it's it's eight levels that are all pretty much different from each other while still feeling like the same game you go through uh the first level which is kind of the introduction it's kind of a uh, woodsy sort of level and then the sewers uh i wrote all these down here in order sewers um edit so you go through a forest uh, which is the one that has the evil transformation. That's the first level. And then sewers, uh, some underground caves, a pyramid level, because every every NAS game seems a pyramid level. Oh, yeah. Uh, like a kind of an outdoor forest with water. There wasn't water in the first forest, and that's actually a pretty tough level. Uh, the Haunted Mansion. The Haunted Mansion is level six. It is the level that only has one boss and is incredibly difficult. We'll go back to that level. Uh, a tower, which is the only level that goes, instead of left to right, from bottom to top. And then the last level, which is some sort of, uh, I don't know if it's heaven, but you're up in the clouds. Call it what you want it to be. Uh, and then that's the end of the game. Eight, the eight levels, you fight a final boss at the end of all eight levels, and you've finished Monster Party. But all of them have the same general mechanic. Go through all the doors, fight these bosses that are different every time, and have some interesting or not interesting mechanics, but at least they look interesting. And then get the key, get out to the end, finish the level. The bosses are what make this game, in any way, worth talking about. We've yes. already talked about the boss that was dead when you show up and he just gives you your question mark. That's fine. Uh, the second level is where the, the, the sewers is where the game really starts throwing stuff at you. Uh, that's the level that has the shrimp encounter that Jeremy <laughs> mentioned earlier. It, you walk into the room, and all bosses say something. Every boss will say, you know, the first boss says hey baby or look out baby or something like that but again knowing it's supposed to be Audrey 2 that kind of makes sense 
if you've seen Little Shop of Horrors, that's the kind of thing a giant talking plant that sings and then eats you would probably say. Uh, yes. But when you get to the second level, that's where you run into a few things that don't make any sense. And the, and the shrimps say, I honestly think they say, look out or, <laughs> or let's go or something <laughs> ridiculous. And then a giant shrimp that is three times the size of your character hops around the screen while you try to dodge it and hit it with your bat or shoot it as Bert. Uh, once you kill that giant shrimp, it then turns into what is arguably an onion ring, although I think knowing that the first was definitely a shrimp, maybe a calamari ring. doesn't matter. It's fried this food. Is, this, yeah, we could argue about this all night. It's a round. It, it's a circle. looks like it's an bre- onion ring. It's, it's breaded. It's breaded, whatever it is. And then the last thing, again, if you stay with seafood, I think it's supposed to be scallops. But if not, it looks like a sign. I don't know what it is. A signpost with three pieces on it. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be scallops. doesn't matter. You fight three things that are definitely fried food. There's no explanation as to why. And then you get your question mark. That was the point in the game, as a kid especially, that I thought, this game is insane. Why did I just fight fried shrimp? <laughs> You know, I, you were talking about how this stuff is supposed to have, like, you know, definitely a lot of Japanese meaning and, and things like that. But it, like I said earlier, a lot of this stuff just comes up like they were just, like, drunk at, like, you know, a bar late at night and just writing shit down on a napkin that they could throw into this game. Because that's that's really all I can come up with after uh, after seeing some of these bosses. I mean, you've definitely got, like, a good amount of, like, classic monsters, like giant snakes and, and crazy uh, statues and stuff like that. There's a but when the guy monster. shows up yeah. with, like, the electric guitar and, and he's, like, running back and forth the screen at you, I, you just got to wonder, like, this has nothing to do with anything. Why, why is this here? Yeah, there, there's definitely monsters that, that I don't understand where they would have come from. Uh, the, the punk rock character you mentioned earlier, the guitar player, uh, w- was definitely one. The the shrimp, I, I don't understand. I don't know where that would have come from. There's no, there can't be a legend about spooky shrimp. There, there can't be. I would have heard it. Everyone would know that legend. <laughs> it's that bad. There's no reason for it to be there. Uh, there's a cat at one point in a box that just throws smaller cats at you. I don't know why. doesn't matter. Uh, but there's definitely some other mechanics in those bosses that I actually thought were pretty interesting uh, at the time. Did, did you guys get to the, the boss that says, watch my dance? Yes, yes. <laughs> there, there's two zombies, and they say, watch my dance. And you get there, and, you, and did you try attacking that boss first? Uh, of course. And, and you'll attack that boss for the rest of time. If you mm-hmm. actually attack the boss, it, it, it melts down to the ground, and then it comes back up and continues to not do anything that in any way is harmful to you and dances. And you can hit them 100 times, and they'll mm-hmm. do that over and over again. Until and that's exactly what I did. I hit that fucker like 50 times because, you know, this game, you, you, the, the very first boss, you had to lay about 30 of those fucking bubbles right into his face to kill him. So I just figured, you know, that's what I was supposed to be doing here. I, I, I figured it was I was lucky that, it, you know, I wasn't taking damage from, any, from anything. I thought it glitched. Um, but then after a while, I went to YouTube and literally uh, you just watch them dance for like a solid minute until it's they're so done. Long. And that's it's it. so long. <laughs> and after they're done with their dance, they melt on the floor and you get your question mark and you move on. That was that's one of those bosses that I, I was when I got to them, I thought. I wonder if Billy and Jeremy got to this boss. I haven't gotten any angry emails yet. I bet they have not gotten here yet. <laughs> I had to look this one up too. As a kid, how did you uh, how did you do this as a kid? I mean, See, what did I, you do? It's hard to remember that far back because again, I had this one. This was a new game. It's it's twenty five years ago. I don't remember. I'm sure at one point one of us would have had to just stand there. My brother and I were both, you know, heavy Nintendo players. 
and I don't mean fat. I mean, we played a lot of Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> we weren't fat until way later in life. But now, you know, at the time, we were not. And, and we played a lot of Nintendo, so one of us would have figured this out. One of us would have said, fine, we're going to sit here and watch this dumb dance. And then it would have gotten through the end, mm. and we would have been fine. Because, again, there was Nintendo Power, but they didn't really cover this game start to finish. And there was no internet that I had access to in 1989. I'm sure there was some, but, but we certainly didn't have it at my house. So we had to have figured this out. Because I know we were the only people I know that had Monster Party. It wasn't like, you know, when Castlevania 2 came out and there's that part where you're supposed to kneel against the cliff to make a, a, a hurricane show up or whatever and take it to the next level. Everybody I know had Castlevania 2. Someone either looked up the, you know, got the answer from a magazine or, or called the Nintendo tip line or maybe figured it out at random. But that was passed around among friends. Oh, here's how you get through this part. Right. No one else had Monster Party. I, I know that we had to. My brother and I had to have figured that out at some point. Uh, and we did. We did. You know, you stand there, you do nothing else, and eventually it melts away, uh, which is a pretty interesting boss. Um, level six, which I already talked about being kind of a difficult level, only has one boss. And that boss is interesting because the whole background of the boss looks kind of like camouflage. And it's six, uh, four to six heads that are also the same color as the camouflage that move around. And you're supposed to kind of know which head pick a head that you want to hit and one of them will actually you know take damage when you hit it and then you just kind of have to trace this head around the room it made it actually very difficult but not not impossible it didn't do a lot to hurt you you just had to kind of pay attention i liked that these were not standard nes bosses not every boss was shoot it before it shoots you and dodge these shots before they hit you or you know just tank through it and get you know make sure you have your life bar at the fullest i liked that there were bosses in this game that that took I don't want to say a lot of skill, but at least a little bit of thought at the time, knowing that you couldn't just look on GameFAQs and get through it. You know, there's definitely a few, but I think, you know, saying that the vast majority of these bosses have, like, interesting mechanics is, uh, would be no, no, doing no. the game way too much justice. <laughs> I mean, most of these bosses, uh, their, their main mechanic is just walking back and forth the room and shooting things at you. And, and you know, this is definitely one of those games where, you are going to have to take damage. I mean, oh, you, yes. you can't really dodge a lot of this stuff. And, uh, you know, you might be able to with Bert, you know, you can fly around a little bit. But, there, you know, you can't really jump over some of these guys. There's shit coming at you all the time. Uh, you know, you, you really have to just, you're basically just a damage sponge and, and hope you can tank most of them because that's really all they do. But uh, there are a few, like one you're just talking about. It, it, it was pretty neat to see. Well, the, the levels, like I had said earlier, are pretty standard side-scrolling levels, um, but they, when you get to level 6, this is the first one that actually takes a turn where it's different. Level 6 is a haunted mansion. It has plenty of doors. I think something like 27 or 28 different doors that are actually in pairs, because they're, they're like the Mario um, ghost mansions in the later Mario games. You go in one door, it teleports you through in a part of the house, and you have to kind of figure out the right pathway to get to the end door. But again, because this is Monster Party, it means you've also got to find the doors that lead to any bosses you have to kill before you find the key to open that last door. This, this was almost it. This is just about where my, where my will was broken. This was uh, where my will was broken. I, I, I could not. <laughs> I, powered the, you know, I found out that there were only a couple more levels after this. And that's what got me back, back in the game. Uh, I hate this. I despise this, and I don't even like it in Mario. I don't like any time where there's the whole, you know, go in one door, you come out this one, you know, kind of keep track of that. Let's try this door, and I don't care for it. 
it's it, it, it always is just so time consuming and, and I don't think it's a, a I just hate it and I hate it here especially uh, this was a point in the game where I was probably I wouldn't say if I was not fighting a boss I was not having a good time with this one you know getting through the stages is just you know, the enemies, like it's been said, they walk back and forth. They also do that thing where if you exit the screen that they are on by a little bit and then walk back, they reappear. So, but going in those doors was the thrill of the game. I mean, just going in that door, seeing what's in there. And, and this stage just, you know, it just, I didn't want any more doors by the end of this stage. It put me off walking indoors in a game where the only highlight is walking indoors. And this was also the level, you know, the, the one you're talking about, or, you know, the whole area with the doors, that's the first section of this stage. Mm-hmm. The second st- section, if you are not Bert, then you are in for, like, Metroid level of just, like, climbing to the top of this fucking mansion. Like, it goes on and on and on. And with, if you're Bert, you can just fly. You, can, you don't even have to, like, glide your way around or anything. You can just go straight up. But if you are Bert, then you actually have to do platforming. And this is where I just could not, I, I could not go on. I could not get to the top of this fucking mansion. I would just die every single time. You're talking about level seven. I, I, there's the one that goes up more than, than sideways. There are parts oh, yeah, of yeah. level okay, six. Okay, so I did actually get past, uh, yes, Well, the, there yes. are parts of level six where you'll find doors that you can't get to unless you can fly. But technically, you don't, it means if you're going into that door, you're going the wrong way. And you wouldn't know that. But if you're going into a door that you can't get into as Mark, then it's not the right door. Um, I don't know how. I'm sure. Did you guys look up the solution to this, or did you actually plow through this for this? I, I, the only thing I really looked up was the zombie thing. Or yeah, the zombie just, dance. Yeah, I just, I, I, I powered through this one. Uh, just, I was probably just operating off pure anger at some point in time. Uh, this is one I, I remembered. You know, as I was playing it, I was like, oh, that's right. You go to the left here. You go to the right here. You, and that's I haven't played this game in forever. I mean, easily 20 years. I can't say I've played it before, you know, after I moved out of my parents' house. And I haven't seen this game in forever. So uh, I was amazed at how much I remembered of exactly what to do. But but it definitely I remember being stuck in this this area forever as a kid and just not trying to get through it. Because the other part of this level that stinks more than the others is that for whatever reason, ectoplasm or some sort of like evil rain comes down at angles in certain rooms and you can't avoid it. Mm. It comes fast enough that you're going to get hit by it, especially if you're coming out of a door that's right where the rain hits. Like there's no way to avoid it. Uh, and, and you do take a fair amount of damage from it. So there was also not only are you lost, but every time you come through a door, everything respawns. So there's chairs that you can't avoid. They just smash into you. It's kind of like poltergeists, a lot like that level of Splatterhouse that has all the chairs and stuff, except nowhere near as fun. Uh, yeah, level six was the one where I was, I, after I got to this playthrough, I thought, I wonder if Jeremy and Billy are going to just angrily quit the game and tell me to go F myself, because this <laughs> level is annoying, even though I know exactly what to do, I'm still annoyed, and there's only one actual boss there, which, again, is the reason you play this game. But thankfully, after you finish through this level, there's only two more. There's the tower level, which instead of going left to right, goes from bottom to top. I don't think it's necessarily that difficult, but yes, if you're if you're Bert in that level, you can fly through screens of of enemies you'd never have to face, uh, and then you get to the last level, which is the the heaven level, which is the only level in the game that I think the actual bosses are difficult. I mean, the, the rest of it's just a matter of making sure you don't show up at that boss's door with one hit point. 
but they aren't hard bosses. It's just either hit the things back with your with your bat if you're Mark, or if you're Bert, you just tank everything and just shoot over and over again until they die. But the first boss in the heaven level is this dragon that flies in circles, and and even with all, like an almost full health bar with Bert, I couldn't kill this guy. I had to wait until it was Mark again. And just because of the way that the mechanics of Mark hitting so close and being able to kind of swing faster than Mark shoots or than Bert shoots, I was able to take this dragon guy down. But I, if you got to that guy, Billy, that that was a rough boss fight. That's a rough fight, and yeah, and it's a game where, like, like you said, uh, for all the boss fights in this game, there is not a lot of difficulty. You're going to take damage just because I think that's just how some of the fights are set up, but you're not going to be teetering on the, on the brink of death at any point, uh, during this game. But yeah, it's, it's a real shock that the, uh, the difficulty gets, it gets a kick right around this point. Yeah. That, that boss is hard. And then this level has a bunch of, uh, they look like constellations that show up out of the sky that rain fire down on top of you. Plus these candle things that fly into the screen that uh, are fast enough that if you're not moving slowly, they're going to overwhelm you pretty quickly. The last level definitely ramps up, uh, and then to make matters worse, you get to the very last door of the game, you unlock the door, you fight the last boss. If you don't get there with enough health or know what to do, you start at the beginning of that level all over again. It's oh, not like you shit. get to start at the boss, and I'm sure that we all use some save states. I'm not going to say I didn't to beat this <laughs> pretty quickly. But, but if not, you start at the very beginning of level 8, which means you have to fight the dragon boss and the two other bosses till you get to the last door and try not to get hit too many times because you get to that boss the last boss and you need to have an, an, enough health there because the last boss I don't know if you got to him uh, Jeremy if you said you stopped at the right after the mansion but the last boss yeah. is basically this big screaming face that shoots eyeballs out of its mouth pretty fast so if you're just Mark it's really really hard to hit the bat fast enough to not get hit by these eyeballs and then you got to angle them just right so they fly up and hit this boss in his nose if you're if you're Bert thankfully you can kind of cycle the eyes so that you can do kind of this circle path and then they kind of just follow you. It's not a big deal and you can hit the boss a bunch. But if you don't manage to get to this boss with enough life for some mistakes and as Bert, this boss is rough. This boss is real hard. At least I thought so. I don't know if Billy knocked him out in one shot, but I did. Now, this, this, this is a tough boss and I made it to him, thankfully. I made it to him as Mark, though. I, I, I was not Bert at this point. Uh, and, and if you have, if you've got the, uh, if you've got the advantage around... It's time to hook it up, because uh, I, I stood there, I just found a spot, and just continually pressed that button, I, and you've got to press that thing fast, too. Oh, so fast. Yeah, these eyeballs, they're coming out you know, th- in, at three in, in succession, and they're coming out with some speed. So yeah, I mean, you really just have to uh, just rail on that button, and just, if you're not hitting the nose there, just kind of step up just a little more. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just about finding the, the right spot, and... It's it's difficult. Uh, it, it's it's doable, but yeah, you gotta you gotta show up with uh, I mean at least a good plus half of the health bar if you can. Yeah, otherwise that there's the apples just come too fast to hit consistently with your finger, and and maybe the advantage can pull it off or the max or whatever you use. But uh, I was doing this with a regular pad, and and I had to. I, I was not able to do it fast enough and consistently enough to all these eyeballs. So you finish the last boss, and you get an ending, which I, I'm happy that this game has a real ending. We've talked before about Nintendo games that kind of don't have an ending, or it just says, hey, thanks for playing, or whatever. Uh, you, you beat the last boss, and, and your friend Bert gives you a box, a present to say, thanks for helping save my planet, and you go home. 
You open that box up at home and a princess comes out. You're like, oh, great, there's a princess. But then the music turns dark. And, and the princess all of a sudden starts turning into this, this demon and other demons show up. And then it shows your character that you've been playing this entire time slowly melting. And you, you melt while you scream. Uh, and then, of course, you wake up and, if, oh, it looks like it's all a dream. No big deal. You're going to go to school the next day. But you open the door and Bert is there. And he says, hey, let's do it again. And the game ends. Not the most terrifying ending, but you got to think back. This is Nintendo you're talking about. They didn't do blood or extreme violence. They, you know, even those Nintendo games you think of as, oh, yeah, we just, you know, like uh, River City Ransom or, or Renegade. Any, any game that was like a beat-em-up still wasn't bloody. It was just cartoony violent. This game actually has blood. It actually has demons. It has, you know, your character melting. There was fires and stuff everywhere. I mean, this, this was pretty graphic for 1989 Nintendo. So imagine getting this ending as a kid. That's what everyone, like, once we did beat it, we're like, we have to show everyone we know this ending. They're going to come <laughs> over. We're going to have people spend the night. We're going to play this game. This ending is worth having 20 people stay at our house for. What a great ending. This I don't know how this ending didn't come up when we were doing the best, best endings for, for games. An overthought, to be honest with you. Totally an overthought. Well, because it's not a satisfying, happy ending. I mean, it's interesting, and it's awesome, and, and it's Nintendo, like, how did they yeah, let's go by? But... But is it a good ending? I don't necessarily think so. You know what? You know, and I'll have to tell you this. I insulted this ending the first time. I, I, I believe in our in a group chat. You there did. May, you said uh, that it, in fact, <laughs> was a pile of shit. But let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I zoned out. Like when I fe- when he wakes up, I stopped watching, and I, and I was like, "Fuck, another dream ending." And that and that guy that sent us the Super Mario question, he's off laughing at us somewhere, like <laughs> about the dream, about the ending being a dream. As soon as I saw it was a dream, I just quit. I was like, oh god! I went back and watched it one more. I went back on YouTube and watched it, and then I saw and, and that tacked on bit at the end. All right, you know, I, I cycled through a lot of emotions during that ending. You know, you get the you get the gift, you take it home, you get a princess, and it's like, hey. Uh, fucking Bert has—he's helped you out a little bit, and, and then it turns like that. And you know, if it would have cut off right there, it would have been fine. But then you get the dream, and, and for a brief moment, I'll just say, stick with it. For a brief moment, I was furious, and instead of looking at the screen, I instead picked up my phone and began to to, to curse about this ending. Uh, <laughs> but upon further review, seeing that it is—it's—it's a, it's a fake out. And that you're getting ready to go on some other adventure that Lord knows would never get financed. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a good ending. It's it's one of the, I think, I don't know. I just called it a good ending, but I can't say it's a good ending. It's, it's an ending. It's an interesting ending. It's much, so, like every, much like everything in this game, uh, it, it's something you got to see. It's memorable. It's something you wouldn't yes. see anywhere else, especially, again, you got to think 1989. Now, we're in a world where Resident Evil is around and, you know, there's plenty of more graphic games. There was a game where you, you play as a postal worker who kills people. I mean, th- this is nothing compared to anything like that. But, but for 1989, Nintendo, you got to figure if you're playing this game, you probably I would have been 12 years old, 13 years old. This was amazing for what the system would actually let go. Knowing that, you know, three years later or whatever, we're having Mortal Kombat's that are sterilized for the Nintendo products because they don't want blood and demons. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. Well, even stuff like, you know, uh, the Jason game and the Freddy Krueger games. I mean, they were very just kind of whitewashed and, and kiddie, you know, very cartoon-like. 
Uh, but leave it to Monster Party to bring the gore and, and the blood yeah. because that's it's exactly what it did. I don't know if Nintendo was just off sleeping or they had some intern doing the the Nintendo uh, quality, seal of quality that day, but um, Monster Party somehow got away with it. Well, as, as we mentioned a couple times in the show, there's a lot of things in this game that seem very Japanese. I mean, there's, there's a boss that's a wishing well that apparently is a very common uh, or very well known in, in Japan, some sort of, uh, you know, either old wives' tale or something about wishing wells. I don't know anything about it, but... But it was a boss that's there. There's a lot of things in the game that look very Japanese. It will surprise both of you to find out this game was never released in Japan. This game only came out in North America in 1989 and never saw the light of day in Japan. What? Well, I, no, that's, it's just not possible. I mean, this is literally a game made by crazy Japanese people <laughs> for j- crazy Japanese people. I mean, you're fighting a fucking fried shrimp, for God's sake. I mean, it's got to be for Japanese people. You don't make this for the U.S. audience. This is not what you do. <laughs> I, I don't even understand how that could happen. Yeah, that is that is it, it's a very bizarre thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, with all the imagery and and like you said, the wishing well by and I, I didn't eat fucking fried shrimp till I was in my twenties. You know, back nineteen eighty nine here in the United States, fried shrimp. Come on, uh, yeah, that is something. I, I don't get it. Um, I can only assume maybe some poor Japanese fellow uh, thought the United States knew more about world culture than they really do, which still to this day is very little. Well, they, they were going to release it in Japan. It's not that it wasn't supposed to come out there. It just didn't so, for whatever reason. They did advertise it, uh, but in Japan the name translates to, and this is according to the Internet, so maybe the name translates to Jeremy's an idiot, uh, but I think the name is supposed to translate to Parody World Monster Party, and... In Japan, there's a bunch of bosses that are definitely uh, bosses and regular uh, level monsters that are definitely different graphics and are supposed to be a much clearer parody of something they would know. For example, you mentioned the Audrey 2 that says, like, hello, baby, and starts shooting bubbles at you. It honestly doesn't look like Audrey. It looks like a flower. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't necessarily know it's supposed to be Audrey 2 if if you, you know, uh, unless you watched Little Shop of Horrors a lot. But in the Japanese version of this game... Audrey has a microphone in front of her. She has a stereo speaker behind her, and she looks like Audrey. It's a different head on top of that flower pot. Mm. So it looks like Audrey, too. They edited that out in this uh, version that came out to the States because I guess they couldn't afford the licensing for all these things. So there's a good number of things in the game that the graphics in the Japanese version that was never actually released meet something else. The the characters look like um, in the, the... the caves level, there's these things that kind of look like flying cats that scratch you. Those are supposed to be Dracula. They look just like Dracula in the Japanese version of this game that was never released. But when they came, I guess they decided they couldn't afford the rights to Universal or whoever owned it. And so they, they changed it to flying cats that scratch you instead of Dracula. There, there's a number of things that change in the game. Um, the, the big thing that the Internet seems to be big on is that instead of, you know, you turn this game on at the beginning and it's that plant face and it's all green, dripping, it looks like goo. Well, of course, originally it was supposed to be blood. And there are some parts of the levels that look a little darker than they do on this release of the game. Um, if you look online for the Japanese version of Monster Party, you can find uh, people that have, have found the original version somewhere or took the time to pretend they did uh, and then filmed you know, not filmed, but but copy the whole thing, and you can watch it on YouTube. It's interesting to see the differences, uh, but generally, it's still the exact same game. 
the bosses that are reskinned still have the same attacks. The levels are the same. It doesn't change the story. It's it's pretty much the same game start to finish. There's just more blood than there is in this one, and some of the characters are more notably who they're supposed to be as opposed to kind of being a version of that character uh, to avoid copyright payment. So it, it is it's notable that it never came out in Japan. I don't know if because of that copyright issue. I have no idea, but it. Or maybe because the sales here weren't so good. But it never came out in uh, North America until people found this ROM in, like, 2011. So it, it now that you've played this game, knowing that it has a cult fan base, and I'm included in that. I thought Monster Party was a great game. I was very excited we were going to do it. Jeremy, do you think this game is worth playing? I think it's worth experiencing. I mean, I... <laughs> Uh, it, I think you should try it, and if you enjoy it, definitely go through it. Um, but if you were like me, and by the end of the first stage, you were just like, oh man, this is going to be a, a rough haul for the rest of this game, um, you know, it, it might do you better just to go watch a, a long play of it on YouTube or something, just to just to see the craziness. And I'm sure there's, there's a good deal of reviews out there for already uh, of people screaming obscenities at their TV. And um, But I mean, it, it's it's definitely one of the very few games for the Nintendo that I would say was a, a cult classic. You know, it definitely has that that feel of of like something like an Evil Dead movie or one of those less popular horror films from the 80s or 90s or something that was just so bad it was good somehow. Um, that, that a very small but passionate group of people really, really love. And I, I think Monster Party falls perfectly into that. Yeah, I, I you know... This is weird because I think it's the first time I can say it is not a good game, but I would recommend you play through it. Um, yeah, like Jeremy said, I mean, last resort, if you are not, if you just can't, if you can't grasp this game as far as playing through, if you think it's going to be too difficult or, or you just are not into it, definitely watch it. But if, if you can at all, don't spoil yourself. Yeah, you've heard some of the bosses, but I mean, we've just scratched the surface. I mean, there's a lot of them out there, a lot of just weird, regular enemies walking around these stages, and 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 half the fun of the game is just is not knowing, you know, what what is going to be on the other side of that door when you walk in. Uh, that is is half the fun of it. Um, and spoiler, a lot of times it's going to be an empty room, and you're going to be very depressed and wonder why you're still playing after you've gotten two or three of those in a row. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely, I think Jeremy has tossed out the word experience several times and that, that's what you do with this game. And it, it's certainly, you know, I mean this, this Halloween, if you want to, uh, play something on the NES, uh, you, you can't go wrong with this one. Uh, it, it's, it does a lot of innovative things. Like we talked about the, the, the stage transition, uh, the, the gore in it. For a Nintendo game, there's a lot of interesting things here that that you didn't see on the NES that much, or or at all, besides this game. Uh, there's a lot of enjoyable things here. There is enough to to warrant uh, playing through, or in the worst case, watching. Uh, but you know, it's not a great game. It's it's not a good game, but it is a it's it's a very special game. You know what this game reminds me of? This reminds. Are you guys familiar with ROM hacks? You know, where yes. they've got like, you know, Mario 420 smoke weed every day kind of stuff. And they put, <laughs> yeah. you know, they got like a joint in his mouth or they've altered the graphics in, in some some way. And that's what this this reminds me of someone's ROM hack that some like 13 year old got got like some 
programming thing where they could alter the images in, in old NES games and just, you know, replaced all of the image, imagery in the game with, with crazy, stupid shit that they found. And that's exactly what this game <laughs> reminds me of. But somehow it's a real game. A 13-year-old with a great affinity for fried food. Yes. <laughs> I think this is a very good version of, uh, you know, if you like bad horror movies, and I'm a huge fan of what mm-hmm. other people would say are bad horror movies, but there are some horror movies that are bad in a good way. Campy is, is one way to put it, but I also like things that are so bad they're amazing. I don't mm-hmm. think this falls on that. I think this falls in that campy category. Like, oh, clearly, yeah. Yeah. this game isn't taking itself seriously. No one in in any way making this game thought, this is going to be the next, you know, serious hit. This is going to spawn off a thousand sequels. This is going to be the, the next Mario. No, they, it was a campy, you know, put all your favorite horror movies in one game and, and send a kid through it for whatever reason. But it was, it, I think the mechanics of the game are fine. It, it's a playable game. It, it's not necessarily hard as long as you're a little patient in parts. I, I think it's, it's a totally fine game. And especially for the purpose of, uh, you know, if, you're, if you go back in time to 1989, if you're going to pretend you're sitting around your house at Halloween 1989, 1990, this is a great game. For that purpose, I think it, the bosses alone, just the what's in each room, makes it worth playing through this, because you never know what they're going to throw at you next, but you know it's going to be something you haven't seen before. It's true. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, now that we've covered Monster Party, we're going to do another horror-themed episode for uh, October this year. This time, we're going to do a 16-bit Castlevania extravaganza. So there's going to be a handful of Castlevania games that were released on 16-bit systems. We're going to cover them. We're going to talk about them. We're going to say how they're different from each other, if they're better than each other, or if they all kind of take their own spin on Castlevania, a classic for monsters. I'm looking forward to that. Um, We don't have a good listener question this week, uh, which is okay because we're kind of recording this at a weird time. But I have to say, I know I've said this on the podcast probably every episode. But I've been selling things out of my house so that I can buy a PS4 and not get guilt for buying it. I'm selling (laughs) other old video games to buy a new video game. So I am going to have, by the time the the Castlevania episode airs, I will have a PS4. So I need to ask two questions. One, is it worth waiting for the PS4 Pro or should I just buy the new PS4 Slim? Uh, From what everybody's saying right now. Now, I, the only reason to own the PS4 Pro is if you actually have a 4K TV. Um, if you do not, then you're going to be missing out on what the, the very large upgrade would be with the PS4 Pro. And it's just that, that extra fidelity in the imagery. Uh, if you just have a 1080p TV, like most of us do, I do not own any fancy things, um, you would, uh, they said you would get maybe like a, a small like a graphics boost, things, things would look better. Um, just, you know, something like that, nothing too crazy. But, uh, as far as I can tell, if, if you're not rocking a 4k TV, then the PS4, PS4 pro might not be for you unless you want that extra hard drive space, which I think it's like a terabyte compared to the 500 gig that the slim is. Uh, knowing what I like to play, I don't know if that's going to factor into it, but, uh, Billy, you have any thoughts on that? I, I think I don't really see. Uh, the the need in it, like Jeremy said, uh, if you don't have a 4K TV, if you don't have the proper, you know, the other necessary equipment to get the most out of it, I, I, I really, I, I haven't even made a jump on it because I mean I don't have the, the, the you know, 4K TV for it. Um, 
I was perfectly, I'm perfectly content right now keeping the one I have and maybe just buying uh, another hard drive to throw in it to, uh, to expand the memory. Uh, but you know, that 500 gigabytes, it took me, yeah, it took me a while, uh, to, to fill that thing up. Um, I mean, now it's full and every time I want to play something new, it's a juggling act, but that didn't happen for a while. So I, I would say, you know, just go with the, you know, go with the, the current one or go with the slim, uh, the pro it's nice if you have the stuff for it but that is a uh that's just not a common setup in living rooms right now so my other question is actually i wasn't going to have a second question on this until you talked about the ps now that actually sounds very interesting to me i've never owned a ps3 there's definitely games i want to play that i've never been able to play uh demon souls is one i've never played i want to play i've never played uh the original valkyrie chronicles uh valkyria chronicles i guess are those on the service or is it like only certain games at a certain time, like they're free games, or is it that you have to to download all these to that hard drive, or how's this work? Now this is gonna now this is gonna be the the the, the, the linchpin that's gonna hold it all together, or either have it all fall apart for you as far as PS Now. Uh, you're gonna have to have a pretty pretty good internet connection. Now I, I'm I don't like to pry into a man's personal business, so I don't know how the how the might of your connection. Uh, but yeah, but you're streaming. You're you're streaming the games along. You don't download uh, anything. You are you're just as far as I can tell, 100. Uh, it, it's like the uh, like the Sega Channel of old. You know, you go on there. Uh, they have the games listed categories, or they have you know alphabetically. Uh, you scroll down. I think right now it's it's a couple hundred games on there probably, and I think it's one of those things where they. I don't think they ever take anything away. Um, uh, if, if I'm incorrect, uh, Jeremy can tell me or if somebody can, can comment, uh, but, uh, I don't, I don't think they take anything away. I think they're just slowly adding. I think the last thing, uh, maybe a month or so ago, they added like another 15, 20 RPGs to it. Um, I still haven't gone through the full catalog. I found a couple games I was interested in and I'm just kind of trying to focus on one at a time. Uh, but yeah, you're streaming along the entire time. I don't know the specifications for the connection. I know you can run a uh, kind of run a test to see if it's going to work or not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but the good thing with that is um, if, if space is going to end up being an issue for you, it's not going to take up much additional. Well, I'm really buying it just for Persona 5 and, and Dark mm-hmm. Souls 3, so I probably <laughs> will not have any space <clears throat> issues uh, since everything else I play will most likely be uh, you know, new games that have a retro feel. I, I like a lot of Metroidvanias that are in 2D. Those are never take up too much space. So we've, I'm sure I'll have plenty of space on this thing. We've been here with you before. We've been here. <laughs> and now I just want to say that you're looking for a treat, and I just I, I sure hope you don't get a trick instead. I, I, there's, I'm, pull, I'm pulling for you. You know, but between the job situation and some other things, there's always a chance of a trick. But I think right now I'm I'm in the best position I've been yet to actually... By next episode, have me a PS4, uh, right. including my wife going out of town for a weekend where I'll be watching the kids by myself and no one can stop me from buying one. So we'll see <laughs> how it. that goes. Um, but next episode, like we said, will be uh, all Castlevanias. Um, I know throughout this month uh, on our Twitter account, which is at Retrovaniacs, uh, we will be posting different uh, different vines and different kind of memories of other games throughout the years that have been horror-themed. Uh, we always have our regular articles on Retrovania.net. I'm not sure what else is coming up. I don't know if Jeremy can enlighten us there or not, but even so, there will be good. They're always good. Uh, so definitely check us out on Retrovania.net. Uh, 
on Twitter, at Retrovaniacs. Follow us on Facebook, Retrovania.net. And we'll see you next time with a Castlevania 16-bit spectacular. dive directly into a game that has not had an HD remake. <laughs> Monster Party for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, man. I'm getting I, better I at like these segments. See, I would like Much to see better. the better texture on those doors. There's, there's a lot of doors. A lot of doors.